So hello, Marius. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. Um, in this series of Mindful Smart Cities um, podcast, we are going to talk about how um, we can use technology in order to promote um, a better um, lifestyle. So how we can um, connect technology to, to medicine, how we can uh, link it to our well-being. And I know that you work in, um, in the domain of anti-aging. So I was very excited to have this conversation with you and uh, yeah. to kind of discuss this uh, with someone that uh, basically uses the technology of the body already. So, um, so like that, we can create a, a conversation that includes artificial intelligence, but also human intelligence. Like you're working yeah. It's nice to be with you. Thank you so much. Nice, nice to be with you and discuss interesting subjects. Um, well, I think the first thing we need to discuss is the definition of technology. Because when, we, when I talk to other doctors, depending on their level of interest, by technology they think only as uh, the medical devices that can be connected to the body, like... Uh, health monitor or insulin monitor or other devices that you can check for blood pressure, pulse and so on. That's technology as well. Or we can talk about um, how techno technology augments human um, so technology. And this is a matter we can discuss with relation, with relation to health. So if we talk about health, we generally mean the health of the body. But I think we should also talk about health as, as being part of the technology around us. Um, we can mention a few examples of that later on. Um, so we see an, a, a mixture of the biology and the technological, and one augments the other for to attain better health and better, better function. That's, that's the main thing. So um, I'll tell you an example about the, the human body as it is augmented by technology. Um, we consider just, just an example is somebody who is ha having kidney dialysis and we measure their uh, the electrolytes, their uh, urea and other, other blood um, parameters. And if they're high or low accordingly, we say they are healthy or not healthy, but we should also take into account the function of the machine. So if they go to have dialysis and, and a little chip in the machine is not working, then the patient will be affected as well. So we need to, to see how this body is uh, attached to a technological device that helps augment their health. And I would say <clears throat> maybe 80% of our health is biological and around 20% is technological or, or other device that uh, enhances our health. If that device is broken or if it doesn't function very well, then our health 
would be affected, even if, even if our biology would be perfect, that uh, part, the technological part, if it is compromised, then we won't be healthy. Um, so it's something that we need to consider. Um, another example is take, for example, um, somebody who has blood pressure and checks their blood pressure regularly. If their machine is not working properly, then it may give wrong readings, they may get, take the wrong medication, and their biological health would be affected. Therefore, it's not just how we are as a body that matters, but also how the devices, the different technological devices that are around us, how this function in relation to our body and in relation to each other device. Um, so this is one aspect. The, the, the previous aspect was the um, information gathered by technology. So this is this an impact on the body as well. In other words, we, we use technology in order to gather information, analyze the information, and um, apply it either in therapy or in, in other ways of health in order to help the human body. And this is something that doesn't interest me very much because uh, I think there are many people who are doing it, in other words, gathering information, data, analyzing it, and the big data uh, we talk about. Um, so I don't think we, I'm, I'm not keen to talk about this very much because it's, it's quite clear and it's quite obvious that if you have a lot of information and you analyze it appropriately, it will have some usefulness which can be applied on the body. So that's, that's one thing. But I find it more interesting to study the impact of technology on our lives on our societies and therefore on our own biology. I was fortunate enough to live through when I was a younger boy, young boy, in a world that didn't have much technology. Um, slowly, we didn't have mobile phones, we didn't have even television. I remember as a little boy, it was a big thing to go and buy a television. And slowly, I've seen the, the change, I've seen how the human body and human behavior adapts to the introduction of new technology. And now we are in a phase where everything around us is technological. We can very difficult, with great difficulty cope if there is no technology at all. Our life is geared in such a way that we need technology. Uh, whether it's a good thing or bad thing, I don't mind, I don't, I don't discuss it. It's, it's not relevant for me. But I, see, I try to see how this technology and how the development of new technologies are affecting human biology with particular respect to aging, to the, how the biology of aging is affected by the, the external technological stimuli. Um, is it clear up to now? Do you want to ask anything or is it okay? for sharing um, this, um, setting the scene actually for the discussion. Uh, one of the main reasons that I, I, I also um, 
decided to make this podcast uh, out of my new book, which is Mindful Smart Cities, was to create a place for um, to have um, conversations that are um, that are useful in in a sense that it allow us to they allow us to to create an, a holistic uh, connection between the change that we are experiencing in our lives, technological revolution and the digitalization uh, phase with, uh, with actually our um, the biological or with our previous lives. So I also um, do not really seek uh, to, to criticize whether it is good to have technology all around us or uh, whether it's good to, to shut technology out of our lives. Because I think there is definitely a, a, an, an evolutionary trajectory going on here. And I think technology, mm -hmm. it is the next uh, phase of um, evolution for us. So I feel that this is yeah. really the direction that we need to take. Also, is this direction that how can, how can we live with technology but live in a way that is, uh, is serving us, not uh, depriving us from uh, the key biological needs, but also spiritual, cultural, social, all the needs that we, um, we, we might have as, as human beings. So here, um, um, I'm very interested in, in having these conversations. And uh, in Mindful Smart Cities, I also discuss about uh, the mindful design of technology, but within the context of urban spaces. And uh, urban spaces have um, a tremendous impact on, on not only on, on our well-being, but also on the well-being of the planet. Uh, as the uh, yeah. United Nations, for example, suggests uh, that by 2050, 60% of the world population are going to live in cities. And this is not just a statistic. This is really, a, um, I think, it really um, um, invites us to imagine what kind of urban reality are we creating? And can we create spaces that are good, not only in terms of technologically mindful or technologically capable and smart, but also uh, useful for our well-being? Um, so the interface that actually we're creating with technology, um, it's very interesting. Sorry. Yeah, it's not only that people will live in cities, but those people would be older. Our population is, all, is getting older uh, every year. And there will come a time that older people may form at least one-third or more of, uh, of the adult population. And uh, I believe in a few decades, uh, we'll reach even higher numbers. So these people who live in cities are not just the young people with children and families, but they are all people who have different needs and uh, we should approach their situation differently than with people who have, who have children. Therefore, uh, there are many things we can discuss here about how a, how a city should be formed for all the people. I don't know if there is much we can discuss about cities for younger people. I don't know. It's something maybe you, you would know. Younger people go to work. They have to get there safely, work and come home safely, and then go and do a few things. Is there anything else specific for these younger people? I don't know. 
Yeah, I think um, what um, what I what interests me is, is really this um, discussion of generational gap that we uh, we're also having in terms of uh, the generations that have have not been exposed to technology. So they have the um, the mental model or, or frame of reference of what life could be without technology, but mm -hmm. also generation that is, uh, I mean, my generation also is not the the future generation that uh, does not have the the frame of reference of uh, a world without technology. So I do have that um, frame of reference to some extent. So the next generation that are coming on, on actually their generation that they don't have access to this uh, reality of without technology. So they definitely they will have different attitudes and mental models. So um, uh, my interest is this uh, uh, conversation about how we can create con uh, educational plans and, and, uh, and integration, how we can uh, invite uh, different levels and categories of um, um, population in this conversation about technology. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's something that can be done by individuals. I think. Uh, biggest stakeholders should take part in this, government or big organizations, not commercial organizations, but maybe organizations that deal with older people or with other specific groups. Because there are many things that we can discuss and come to conclusions, but we, we cannot implement them unless somebody else bigger at the level of, uh, of, of a government uh, would implement those plans. So it is important to involve um, the specific people from different governments, different ministries. Um, one project would be to find these people because there are these, they're not all faceless because in a ministry there are people who are interested within different government departments. And to the best of our abilities, we should try and find them, uh, invite them to talk, see their point of view, see how things can be, can be implemented. Uh, for example, I was talking to somebody from the ministry the other day, and I had many ideas, and I had them all in a piece of paper and telling them, telling them. And they said, none of this can be done because it will increase the the budget of the government. If something increases the budget of the government, which is already planned, it has to go to other ministries, more tape, uh, go to the national banks and so on, come back, and it's much more difficult. Therefore, it's not just something we can discuss theoretically, although it's interesting to discuss it theoretically, but it's something that we should do with uh, practically to help other people. And if we cannot do it with the government or with big, big organizations, then we can see if we can do it with less, with smaller organizations or smaller companies or groups or, or clubs that, um, that deal with all the people. Yeah, I think, uh, yes, I think I, I agree um, with, the, with this multi-stakeholder perspective that you're, you're, you're talking about also discuss it in, the, in a way that uh, in order to really, uh, I mean, my subject was my designing mindful smart cities. One of them is promoting conversation between different 
parties. Um, the other layer that I think uh, of discussion that I think uh, is more the focus of today uh, conversation with you is the concept of epigenetics and how it basically mm -hmm. environment on our well-being. And given that technology is, is uh, being integrated into environments, so it just enriches the environment with another layer of capability, that, 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 yeah. that uh, space of uh, epigenetics, I, I think it becomes also um, technologically um, uh, capable, so that the epigenetic landscape that we uh, classically talk about uh, is changing as well. And yeah. that have, will have different influences uh, on, yeah. on our bodies. I think here the conversation could be interesting for the audience if we talk about uh, how we can use the concept of epigenetics in controlling our well-being if we look at it, epigenetics as a technology. Yeah, well epigenetics basically means changes that happen to our genes in relation, in response to environmental um, challenges. Therefore, if our environment throws some challenges to our body, our body changes certain mechanisms in order to deal effectively with these um, change, these challenges. And with the technology, what, hap what happens is basically information. Technology gives uh, what we gain from technology is information. So if I sit here and I interact with you in a meaningful way through technology, I hear your voice and then it goes into my brain and try to make sense of it. And the different neurons or proteins or other biological parts of my body responds, respond to it in order to see, see it as a, as a challenge, as a, as a problem that requires some action. Um, therefore, it forces itself to, to execute that action. And these changes, different things or different uh, um, epigenetic mechanisms in our body. So, in other words, if we interact with technology, meaning um, digital technology through the internet, basically, either through learning, through reading, through interacting, through positive feedback or even negative feedback, um, it, it is a form of uh, of a stressful situation for the brain, who tries to understand, make sense, uh, formulate and apply, and then act. So the brain, the, the neuron, activates the the neuronal stress response. It's a series of mechanisms which are activated after the neuron um, is placed under stress. And this response has certain, certain aims to, to protect the cell from any damage, but it also may protect other cells, not just the neuron, other cells downstream from any damage. And in this way, any age-related damage that happens to be there may also be repaired. They are used from technology to stimulate the neuron and the neuron makes other cells downstream, other somatic cells, other body cells, uh, to, uh, to repair themselves and 
to eliminate age-related damage. That's, that's one of the main, main thoughts and main characteristics of the use of technology. So it's acting in a hormetic way. Hormesis is, is, a, is something that um, we discussed before and it's a, something that is gaining in popularity at the moment. Hormesis is when um, a response is dependent on the dose of the stimulus. So you drink a lot of wine, it's bad. You drink some wine, it's good. You don't drink wine at all, it's bad again, according to some study. So a stimulus has to be neither zero nor too much. It has to reach a certain level, comfortable level, to elicit a positive response from our stress repair mechanisms. Uh, this is basically the, the concept of hormesis. And it, this hormesis can be activated through technological exposure, through exposure to technological uh, information, through digital means, for example. Um, so we, we gather information, if it's too much, it's not good. If it's, not, if it's very low, the level, again, it's not good has to be at a certain point where it's just outside or maybe inside the limits of our comfort zone, maybe just, just on the line of our comfort zone. If we go, get out of the comfort zone and the interaction becomes very stressful and uncomfortable, then it means uh, we don't gain any benefit. If we find the interaction very easy and it doesn't need any effort on our part, again, it's not useful. So that's why I advise people to stress themselves, their brain, up to a certain point, up to this point. And this can easily be achieved through technology. Um, now, from there, there is research that shows that when the neurons are, not, are activated in such a way, so in a, in a positive way with positive stress, um, they may interact with our germ cells. In other words, uh, the, the, the cells that are the ovaries or the sperm cells, or, or the, um, the sperm cells, basically. The genetic DNA in, in the ovary and, and the um, sperm. There is some kind of interaction between this germ DNA and the neuronal DNA. The germ DNA is representative of us having children. It doesn't matter if we die, but we have children, therefore life continues. The neuron DNA is the opposite, is representative of we, the neuron stays alive, and it doesn't matter if we don't have children. Life still continues if we are alive, we don't need to have children. This is basically the the, like a balance. At the moment, the balance is tipped towards the germ, towards having high reproduction, so that we have many, a lot of children, being healthy children, well protected, and our body remains behind, and slowly, slowly decays, and we say that we're getting old and die eventually. But through 
stimulating the neurons through technology as one very big example if the neurons are stimulated up to a point they create substances that make this balance go the opposite way at the expense of the germ cells therefore we start our body living longer and we have less children uh, you will notice that all modern societies uh, become gradually more and more childless they have less children but they live longer so life expectancy is increasing and um, having children is decreasing in countries that have low um, life expectancy they also have high um, high reproductivity high reproduction see for example the african some african countries we have many children in order to for life to continue people don't live long they don't live long enough therefore they have to have children so we can see a role of technology here which can be used as a tool to stimulate our biology in order to to Go, not go against nature because this is a natural mechanism but to make nature follow a different path this is still a, a natural part uh, it's not something unnatural it just happened that many millions of years it was going towards one direction now we can turn it the other direction this is the theory anyway Um, I can't hear you now. I don't know what happened. Now? Yes, can you hear me now? now it's better yes i don't know what happened um, yeah um so uh, the description that you mentioned about um the, the environment can um, can really um, influence which uh, tendency of our uh, dna is activated in our lives um, mm -hmm. in a sense uh, when i listen to your um, your description um, I noticed that uh, this narrative is also very culturally and environmentally influenced. So it re it's really a narrative that is told by society to us that, for example, uh, uh, the trajectory of one's life is uh, you reach to a certain point, you get a job, you get married, then you, you mm -hmm. have children, and, uh, you retire, and after you retire, you, you get your um, pension. Yeah. And basically, you uh, I think maybe the description is a little bit uh, dramatic, but then you're preparing yourself to leave. So it's kind of like end of life and what you want to leave as a legacy. Um, yeah. Could it be that technology can, can help us to, to transform this narrative and, uh, and shift our potential toward living a life that is more meaningful? Uh, or life yeah. Well, it, it can be used as a tool for passing information to other people um, so we can 
there are pressure groups or other information groups or societies that push this point that the point is not just to have children work and then get a um, retire and then wait to die but the point is to live a meaningful life throughout so the one way of seeing it is as, as a tool for passing on information and pressing other people to to follow this path but uh, i've seen example with some older people here who a few years ago they didn't even know what a computer was or what um, what a, uh, facebook was um, and now they can't get off facebook as an example and they don't use it only to pass time but they use it also meaningfully information to learn things to play games to stimulate their brains so i think it may happen even even without our own, our own intervention it may happen naturally uh, as 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 society develops people will start slowly getting away from the existing paradigm that you have children grow up work and die we can certainly accelerate it ourselves but even if we don't do anything in my opinion it will still happen i don't know if it's correct or not but that's what i think because technology comes continually in our lives it's getting easier and easier and it comes specifically adapted to the human brain they don't just create a platform or a computer or a game without taking into account the human brain and the reactions of that brain therefore uh, as people get older people who design technology will try to meet the needs of those older people and therefore it will be more accessible to all the people by itself you understand um, the con i mean th this conversation is uh, is interesting uh, in a sense that i also in uh, in uh, the mindful smart city movement and uh, um, my uh, my own thinking about how technology can can be, can be a mindful approach for a mindful tool actually for transformation of our perspectives because if we reconcile the relationship between technology artificial intelligence specifically with the human intelligence and designing it in such a way that uh, with these specific ideas in mind with ideas such as epigenetics with ideas such as evolution of human potential towards self-actualization then i think there we kind of create a, a, an opportunity for transformation at the same time as we transform i think technology trans, transforms itself exactly, yeah. it's, it's yeah. really a bi-directional relationship and reinforcing relationship um, <laughs> we, as we learn from technology it learns from us uh, and when i say it the, the developers and designers and if all of us i mean all is um, by that i mean if society all the stakeholders engage um, become more aligned with the with the mindful mindset which is a mind the mindset that uh, technology should serve human potential and actualization and making 
human life more meaningful. I think the kinds of technology that might emerge in the future uh, are different, basically, and those will be different. Yeah, I, I do believe that technology adapts to the human aspect. One example is um, we are looking into video games as a form of technological stimulus to the brain because when you play a video game, an online video game, you gain many benefits. It's not only the game and the pleasure, but you gain information, you gather information, information processing, reaction time, and so on. So we are looking at the benefits of video games and uh, because we want to address all the people, we started to look at video games specifically for all the people. Games um, that can take into account an older person's reaction time. Younger people can react immediately. Uh, if an older person plays a game that is for young younger son, by the time he reacts, uh, the picture will go, um, the challenge will go. So we try to incorporate all the characteristics of all the people's biology into these new video games so that to be appropriate for all the people. So this is one example of technology adapting to the needs of our biology and also biology giving feedback to this adaptation, to improve the adaptation. Um, so you, you wanted to say about, I, I don't know if you wanted to say that, but to discuss ways that the city can become, uh, can give appropriate stimuli for for people, and I don't mean for pleasure. I don't want. I don't mean to be just to look at and say how beautiful it is, but to make the mind and the brain work more efficiently. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting subject, and I'm not a town planner, so I don't know. But I have some general ideas. The general ideas are that um, when you when you go out, your brain is looking for information and it would be good to look for information that is unexpected yeah, if if you go out and see the same thing every time then the brain won't get stimulated if something unexpected a sudden challenge or a sudden unexpected stimuli uh, it would it would make it more interesting and more helpful to the person's brain um, I don't personally believe that you should have a lot of physical challenges. A city shouldn't it shouldn't have physical challenges, but it should have cognitive challenges. In different ways, we can discuss examples. Um, some people are much better at giving ideas in this respect, and also I am interested in ideas that can be implemented, not just to discuss ideas just for the sake of it, something that can be implemented starting from easy things, things that can be done easily and then build up from there. Or if somebody has an influence and build the whole city from the beginning, which is um, resilient and provides appropriate challenges, then it's even better, but that's probably a science fiction idea. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I think all science fictions, uh, they have some reality um, in them as well, because um, they come from somewhere, the realm of, um, I mean, we have seen uh, some, um, some ideas somewhere in, in our minds, we, we transform them into some fictions, but uh, maybe in future they're not uh, any more fictions. Uh, speaking of integration of technology, um, as also we are approaching toward the end of our conversation, uh, what are some ways that we, um, I mean, we discussed about the reconciliation between um, technology, of technology as artificial intelligence, but the technology of the body. So what are the ways, um, what are some ways actually that we can um, uh, use technology um, to, to fight against aging? Or when we discuss about the, the, co the cognitive nature uh, of uh, technology, uh, exposing more information to us, how we can use it in a way that, um, that, uh, that enhances our health and well-being. Yeah, okay, the cognitive aspect, it could be just by merely gathering information about our condition. If somebody has a medical condition and wants to know all the details, uh, you don't expect to go to the doctor for 10 or 20 minutes and ask a question. So you gather medical information that may help you and you may discover new therapies, new treatments, new side effects of drugs. So you are more informed about a particular condition. Also, you can get information about prevention of different aspects. Just mere collection of information. But it can also be used socially in the social sense to improve um, um, companionship. So one of the biggest killers in uh, aging is to be bored and to live alone and to have nothing to do. That brings anxiety, depression, and cardiovascular diseases, and so on. So you can use technology to socialize with other people through technology. Even if you can't go out physically, you can use social media or other ways offered by technology to improve your social life. Um, and this is by itself one big step in improving health. Um, also, it can be used in a, in a monitoring way. So uh, health professionals can monitor you as you are. Okay, we are healthy. We, are, we don't have a specific serious condition, but there are people who have serious conditions living at home on their own. They can be monitored much more easily through technology. So it's, it's not very difficult to do and they are these uh, approaches are being used with artificial intelligence again it can be used to improve um, the social life you can have a conversation with a machine artificial intelligence machine and it gives you replies and you ask questions and gives you the sense of some kind of social life and this psychologically and physically helps a lot in um, aging so I think that's, that's quite a big, big uh, bonus. And the other way to improve cognitive function through exposure to technology, including artificial intelligence, to enhance your own intelligence. By uh, one example, they were telling us 
you know, I'll tell you, maybe you have heard this. If you are if you are the smartest person in a room, then you are in the wrong room. In other words, you need to have um, friends who are smarter than you so that their intelligence and their uh, cognitive tasks can be passed on to you and you develop them. If you are the smartest and the others are not very smart, then how are you stimulated yourself? You, you, don't, you are not stimulated. If somebody else is cleverer than you, then you try to reach them. So therefore, artificial intelligence, by using, if it is um, more intelligent than our biological intelligence, it can be used as a stimulus to try and <clears throat> develop our biological intelligence to meet and equalize the artificial one. So this is maybe something for the future, but it can be used as a tool. I, I, I also, um, um, I think also technology, uh, as it refines and it adapts and uh, becomes uh, more uh, suitable for use, I think it really provides this uh, stimulating platform that uh, we're, we're talking and uh, we already discussed in a different conversation about <coughs> the resilience and uh, uh, pr promoting more uh, cognitively, uh, 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 I think engage life rather than just going on automatic uh, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah, stop and think every time. It can be applied in, in everyday life as well. Uh, you, you don't just do things automatically. Think about the things you're doing. Why? Uh, if you don't know something, look it up. It's much easier now to look, look up information. Use that information. As a, as a challenge to learn something else and to, to create something else from that information that you learn and create something that other people can use as well. It's not just only yourself. You have to give back to other people so that other people can improve cognitively and socially uh, and they can, as, as a chain, improve other people down the line. So I think that's, that's, that's quite an interesting conversation. Um, I don't know if we have any conclusions that we can do, but uh, su sufficient to say that I am following as many of these lines of discussions practically to see if we can do it pract practically with all the people and see if we can have any results. Uh, but I am trying. Thank you so much, uh, Marius, for, uh, for today's conversation. Uh, definitely we will continue the discussion in uh, yeah. episodes. Um, I would like to uh, wish you a beautiful day. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, and good luck with your book and with your broadcasts and with your life in general. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.